and we're in yo 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 we are back baby welcome to another amazing episode of the ball of bottom this is maybe one of my favorite guest lineups ever it's going to be just an insane amount of fun and we're going to get to all of that but first let's introduce the crew tonight we're fearing tish with our resident stat head aka the professor aka the oddmore of analytics he thinks Derek Jeter is the most underrated defensive shortstop of all time. It's Shua Cone and making his ball of bottom debut. He's the golden throat, AKA JM and the PM, AKA the once and future King of the max live broadcast. A man whose blazer better be retired in the rafters by next season. He's Yoshua Siegel. And of course there's me one half the bandwagon boys. I am Ari lamb. My other half, Simi Cone will be back with us next time. And hopefully given a little sheer in the chat, and of course, as always, we have the one and only, the mighty, mighty Mayor Wiesel, a.k.a. Mayor Mizell on the ones and twos, engineering us to the moon. And as Mayor always tells me to tell you, please like and subscribe to the Ball of Bottom on YouTube. And guys, our Max may be out of the tournament this year. But A, we have a ton to look forward to with this team and this program. And B, we still have a lot of D3 NCAA tournament left to play. And as Max fans... Just getting to know the wider D3 landscape where, let me tell you, the Max are going to be a fixture for a long time to come. We have a lot of scouting and learning to do. So to unpack all of this, give us a sense of what's out there and what to look for in the week or two ahead, we brought on an absolutely stacked crew. First, we have the return of the king. He's the analytics guy extraordinaire whose shameless homerism on his last Ball of Bottom episode, God somehow in his inscrutable wisdom decided to reward. He's the president of Hobbs University. He's Matt Snyder. I'm just going to keep going with these Calvin and Hobbs jokes until someone stops me. Love and it. finally, we have with us a new hotly anticipated guest. He is a legendary D3 Hoops expert whose beloved D3 alma mater is like Hogwarts in that we all know what country it's in, but no one really lo- knows its actual location. He's Ryan Whitnable. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is an unbelievable, unbelievable cast. So let's uh, let's get it started. And I know uh, Shua and Yoshua have a lot to say, uh, but I just want to get I just want to pick up on a thread from the last Ball of Bottom episode and ask you, Matt Snyder, how are you feeling on this lovely Wednesday evening about your Calvin D3 NCAA basketball team? I'm, I'm feeling great. They played great on Saturday uh, at uw Platteville. All right, uh, won, don't rub it in. One by about 12, <laughs> 12 points. Um, yeah, it feels great. Keep uh, just love watching the team. So in any extra games we get, it's, uh, it's what I'm here for. Unbelievable. So take, can you take us through you? Listen, we all put it down to Homerism. I think Dave McHugh basically like laughed you literally laughed you out of frame. Uh, but you, uh, you were the Oracle. You had this lockdown. What made you so confident about your, uh, your Calvin Knights? Um, you know, I, I, I said it because I wanted to believe it in my heart to be true. And, um, you know, so far they're, 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 they're still, still winning, going to keep playing. Uh, I got my real bracket here. I'm not going to show you how much red I had to cross off after the first weekend. Um, so, uh, (laughs) I, 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 I spoke it into existence and, um, you know, that's where I'm going to leave it. (laughs) <laughs> oh God, that's amazing. So I want to, I want to get, uh, I want to get to the whole wider D3 landscape, but since we're, we're honoring as we are want to do on this wonderful program, uh, we are honoring the Homerism of all of our guests. So Ryan Whitnable, you are a 
stalwart fan of the incredible Marietta team that we've been seeing, uh, who've had a heck of a season so far. So take us through what you've loved about your, uh, your incredible Marietta guys, uh, during this stretch and during the season. Yeah. Where do you start? Um, it's, it's been a magical year, um, from start to finish. Um, you know, if, if you would have told me, you know, after the first four games of the year, we're sitting at two and two, um, if we're writing a, 25 game, 26, whatever it is now, uh, winning streak. And the Randolph-Macon loss was the last time we would have a loss. Um, I don't know if I'd have believed it, but this team has been incredibly consistent night after night. Um, they're both great on the offensive end of the floor and the defensive end of the floor, and they've, they've improved all year. It's it's not been one of those years where we've um, maybe peaked too early. So uh, it, it's nice to be playing our best basketball in March. And, uh, you know, we got another big weekend in Van Johnson, and uh, hopefully we can – take that next step as a program and, and, and play it in, in final four next week. So Ryan, talk us through a little bit of the, the main, the main players on the Pio. So, you know, we heard the mountain union coach say he, he'll walk Jason Ellis to his, to his graduation. Cause he's so glad to see him go. So we know about Jason Ellis, but let, 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 let me hear where, what are some players that you like watching? What are their. Yeah. Well, you know, one, one of the hallmarks of, of Marietta and, and one of the, the hallmarks of John Vanderwall teams has been depth. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, having 10, 11, 12 guys that you can go down the bench and, and really not see a large drop off. So, so Marietta is one of those teams that, you know, they've got a, kind of a starting five that, that they'll play and then they have a second five that will play. And, and you know, by the end of the, the, you know, the final 10 minutes of the game, a lot of teams have just run out of gas against Marietta and, and the way that they play and the up-tempo pace and the way that they can maintain that over, over 40 minutes. Uh, if you're looking for, you know, big names, though, it starts with Lucas Ellis, OAC Player of the Year, uh, averages 17 a game. Uh, but but really kind of the, the straw that stirs to drink, I think, is Lucas Isley. Uh, and if any of you guys saw the Rochester game on, on Saturday night, uh, zero points at halftime, and he ends up finishing the game with 34 points, um, really took over in large stretches of that second half when the team really uh, had some some key moments there. So uh, those are your two big ones. Mason Leidick, of course, uh, probably maybe the best defender on the team uh, is a big piece of that as well. Uh, Tim Krieger down in the post. And then, the, you know, the sixth man off the bench, Sami Willoughby, um, the guy who's a, I, I call him a walking double-double. He's been averaging a double-double here down the stretch. He's just an incredible rebounder. Um, just one of those effort guys that, that every team really has to have. Um, has really given us a lot of extra offensive possessions and some key points in games as well. So you can go up and down that lineup um, all the way down. I, I know I'm missing names here, but uh, depth really is, is the, the key here for, for Marietta. Uh, yeah. Matt, let's start back over to you. How about, uh, how about with the Calvin matchup with Elmhurst? Who are we looking at? What can we expect this weekend? Yeah, so uh, interesting uh, with the Elmhurst matchup is that they played back in December. They played at Calvin. Um, and, um, Calvin had a really good night. They won uh, by double digits. I think it was 18 points was the final margin. Um, and the leading scorer of that game was, uh, for Calvin was Luke Morrison, uh, as it often is, uh, he's one of, uh, several, I think uh, four fifth year players that Calvin has on the, on the team this year. I mean, he's been the leading scorer. Um, I think maybe also that game he was tied with, um, with Thad Shymansky, who's also a fifth year player. Um, Calvin's a pretty, uh, perimeter uh, guard oriented team, I guess you would say they don't really have a true post, a true big um, their, their post players are a little bit undersized um, or um, off the bench, six, eight sophomore Marcus bolt. He's still more of a perimeter shooter type player. Um, so Calvin's going to be 
comfortable out on the out on the wings. Um, gonna try to hold opposing guards in check um, a little bit. Um, uh, but yeah, that's a little bit about the Knights. So one of the things that, you know, because the, the, the core of our, uh, of our listenership are all max fans. So I, I want you guys to both jump in on this, but I guess I'll start with you. Uh, I guess I'll start with you, Ryan, as a program, that's kind of like just emerging, you know, onto the scene. So if we're looking at come to kind of like pan out now to the wider D3 universe. So if we're, you know, max nation and we're looking for the next couple of years, obviously as, as, uh, as, uh, you know, every team and every conference has got to take care of your conference first, but if we're looking out at the wider world, especially as we try to build up our strength of schedule, you know, build up our, our ability to play regionally ranked opponents, who are some of the good squads that, that you think about as a, uh, as a Marietta fan that, you know, we should think about, Hey, these are the teams that we, these are the kind of teams we want to play. These are the teams we should be targeting. Yeah. Um, you know, when you talk about at least here in the Great Lakes and in the Midwest, um, you know, some of the, as I was growing up, some of the, the, the teams that was there every year carrying the flag in terms of uh, quality year after year, you, you talk about your Worcesters, you talk about your Wittenbergs. Um, Bob will be happy to, to know that Illinois Wesleyan is part of that, that group as well. That's been a, a consistent program over the years. They have a basketball uh, team out in that out in that school. That's good. That's, that's good. what I've heard. That's what yeah. I've heard. Uh, looking more up towards the Northeast, you know, the, the NESCAC probably has been the traditional power conference of the Northeast up your way. Um, Wesleyan, Middlebury, uh, Amherst, um, even Tufts has had some good years in the, there. Um, obviously, that that's a consistent uh, a consistent conference every year. And then your UAA, of course. Uh, which is a national uh, footprint, um, NYU up that way, uh, Brandeis. Uh, so, so those, you know, as, as you guys continue to build your program, um, and I think you will, um, and, you know, I don't know if we want to get into that tonight, but as that snowball stays, starts to take place, those are kind of the programs you look to to, to try to emulate uh, in terms of what they're doing on a year-to-year basis. And, and, and what do you think, and what do you think in uh, Matt, in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, teams that you'd say, and I, and Ryan, I want to get back to that, you know, what it takes to, you know, what it'll take to build this program and what you guys have seen, but Matt, what are you thinking in terms of schools we should have our eye on? Uh, yeah, just starting with the, the conference I'm familiar with here in Michigan in the MIAA, um, the traditional powers have been, have been Calvin and they've been hope um, to uh, kind of uh, cousin sibling uh, schools um, separated by a, um, a very small fractional denominational split. Um, and uh, between them, they've had, um, you know, a ton of uh, MIAA championships and conference tournaments um, between the two of them. Um, and, and they're the teams that have really um, carried the torch for the conference in the national tournament every now and then an Albion or someone like that will, will, will sneak in there. Um, and this year was a little bit of a return a return to the top for Calvin and hope. Um, so those are the big names here in Michigan. Um, even sounds like Calvin and Hobbs anyway. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So as much, so as much as the, the history will speak, it's, it's those two schools up here in Michigan. Yeah. We're, we're spending, we're spending an awful lot of time uh, on a, not in a bad way at all, uh, but on the more D3 spectrum teams, keep an eye on so on and so forth. We take the sweet 16 as a whole, the 16 teams left. Are there any teams that maybe two, three weeks ago, you really didn't expect to be here. And now all of a sudden uh, coming up in a week or two could really make a run to the final four that was really oh. unexpected. I think it's Calvin for me. <laughs> 
I was just thinking like, oh, a lot of these teams I expected to be here. And then Ryan's right. Like the one of the ones that you least expected to be here was Calvin, um, you know, sitting on the bubble, didn't necessarily know we were going to get into the tournament in the first place. Um, and then to get in um, and then you think, hey, it would be nice. It would be nice to win one beat St. John's kind of an even matchup there. Um, and then can, they end up can Calvin get can Calvin get Yeshiva's pool seabed? Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, the max <laughs> next know. Year, you're going to build that schedule and you're going to get that pool seabed. You know? uh, so that's going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> maybe one team for me. Um, I mean, all these teams are good, right? That's the thing about the tournament. You hear a lot. All these teams are good. So it's not a surprise. I don't want to knock anyone by saying it's a surprise. Um, I didn't necessarily expect RPI to get out of that pod, um, but but they're they're good. I didn't, um, you know, Wheaton, it could have gone either way in that, in that first game against Hope. So may, maybe they're one and done, uh, but now they're in the Sweet 16. So since there were so many good close games over the first weekend, um, you know, it's not too much of a surprise uh, to see anyone there. Um, obviously Oshkosh getting knocked out by case Western reserve. That's a massive one. Um, but yeah, for again, me, they're good for me. Case Western, um, is, is, is the biggest surprise. And it's not so much that, that it's case Western. It's, it's, I think we all thought Oshkosh was one of the top two or three favorites to win the national title this year. Then losing at home to anyone, I think it would have been the shock of the first weekend. Yeah. That whole quadrant, you could have almost picked Oshkosh or not Oshkosh and it would have been a coin flip. And obviously we got not Oshkosh. So actually speaking of which shouts, the shouts to Bob and the, uh, the legendary chief rabbi of New York, his eminence, uh, Bob Coleman in the chat, uh, shouts to Bob friend of the show. Uh, he points out that Matt predicted uh, Wyack would go 0-3 Saturday night. Incredible. <laughs> so first of all, can you explain to, to Max nation? Hopefully there's some Wyack fans watching. We love you and welcome you to the, to the Balabatin, but for Max fans out there, can you explain what the Wyack is? Why, um, uh, why one might not have predicted them to go 0-3 on Saturday night and why you did? The, the Wyack is the Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Um, and it's a Boom. bunch of the UW schools, UW Stevens Point, UW Stout, UW Whitewater. All those UWs are in the Wyack. Um, although maybe superior is not anymore, um, but they're a really good. They're a really good conference. It's it's one of the few um, conferences of uh, state schools. Um, so I don't know. Sometimes you'll talk, hear people talk about if that's an advantage or not an advantage. Uh, but they're just a really good league. Um, and you know whether you do computer ratings or the eye test, I think every year you come out with them being you know one of the top. Uh, one, two, or three conferences in the country. They've won a boatload of national championships. They have a boatload of final fours. Um, you know, going back through the 80s until now, you can't go too many years without seeing a UW team in the final four. Uh, and they've cycled through um, as well. It's not just one team. It's not just two teams. A whole bunch of them have made it. Uh, so it's just a really strong league over there in Wisconsin. And how, and how did you and how did you have that intuition that they're going that they're going to fall out? Oh, I was just on an incredible run that night. Um, <laughs> I, I have um, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I just, you know, just said, hey, uh, Calvin's playing one. Um, Illinois Wesleyan's playing another. And hey, let's throw uh, Case Western Reserve in the mix. And let's just call our shot. I, I thought it was more likely I was going to go 0-3 than 3-0 in those. But um, hey, sometimes yeah, sometimes you get lucky. Your genius is a burden sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I know we're, we're like, uh, uh, well, first of all, actually just for, because, uh, this, uh, this show has awesome production value uh, for anyone just joining the chat. I just want to remind you that in it, that, that Matt's 
um, very gutsy Owen uh, prediction of the Wyatt going Owen three on Saturday night for those just joining us was not Matt's craziest call uh, of this entire NCAA tournament so far as Ryan pointed out. And as we talked about earlier on the show, his craziest call uh, his most audacious unforgivably homeristic call was made on this very ball of bottom episode mayor cue up the video baby the top left uh the team you're going to see coming out of the oshkosh region there it is is going to be the calvin knights oh my oh, we go. Yes! here we go oh, oh please well, the, Cal- uh, the calvin and Hobbs drop the mic matt just hope, pieces out the, while this chat melts down into slag i, I hope we it. come out of the bottom left because remember that Let's one go. time a couple months ago where we beat you without lambesis by like 20 That's points so so, we i mean it. Let, single digits Wait, with those picks you were invited to the ball button bracket pool um, so welcome by the way i shout shouts to in the chat joel sule shouts to joel uh, to joey joey sorry that pot as they do that's the joey <laughs> oh shots fired i love it <laughs> <laughs> so good. oh my what a glorious moment <laughs> it's great because you can see bob quillman and dave McHugh and ryan scott they're just hanging their heads like oh no what is this guy doing i but they, we, we still have two games to go though so i, I mean you know can't call my shot yet we still got to win the disdain that Dave McHugh had for that call was just <laughs> fantastic. So good. Uh, so uh, going back really quickly and, and, and Shua and Yoshua, I, I don't want to cut you guys off, but going uh, really quickly, going back into the chat, we're just jumping around. We'll, we'll come, come back to sweet 16. We can do all this stuff. No particular order. Uh, shouts to uh, my other half, the other bandwagon boy, Simi Cohen in the chat. Ryan hinted at having thoughts on Max future, how to build a good program. Would love to circle back to that. Ryan, the floor is yours. Yeah, so having had experience in, in, in this as a as a fan of a program myself, for for your guys' uh, historical background, Marietta was was you know for for many years until maybe 2010, 20, uh, 2009 was a doormat program uh, that averaged four or five wins a year. I mean, year after year, um, and so you know we, we've we've certainly been at the bottom and was at the bottom for a long time. Um, and, and building a program is, is not something that happens overnight. It's, it's, uh, it starts with a vision. It starts with a coach that comes in and is willing to put in the work and is able to sell that vision to uh, recruits um, that necessarily you don't have wins or, or tradition to, to, to show them yet, but it's more of a pointing the, the, the way to the future. Uh, and so, you know, getting that first group to buy in is, is so key. And I think Yeshiva has, has gotten to that point now. Um, they've had that group buy-in, they've had success, and now it's about keeping that thing going, right? How do you take what you guys have done the last couple of years and continue to sell that, uh, to continue to recruit, to continue to bring in uh, talent so that this thing uh, snowballs, if you will. It's, it's a snowball rolling downhill that, that picks up momentum. Um, and so, it, you know, if you guys can, can sustain that and continue to work and, and Elliot continues to... to put in the time and the effort into to the recruiting piece of it. There, there's no reason why Yeshiva uh, cannot be a year in and year out, um, you know, staple in the NCAA tournament. So Ryan, when, when you think about the differences between the Marietta team of old that you were talking about 45 points a year and, and the recent successful Marietta teams, besides for better recruiting, what like key aspects of the program would you say are, are fundamentally changed? I mean, it starts with the head coach. Um, we had a head coaching change in 2007 
um, that changed everything to be, to be quite frank. Um, John Vanderwall now in his 15th season, uh, he was, you know, national coach of the year, a couple of years ago, came in, um, with zero head coaching experience, um, had basically been an assistant for a couple of years in a couple of places. And, and, and Marietta kind of took a chance on him. Um, and, and he took a chance on Marietta and it's certainly been one of the most, um, successful hires in the history of, of athletics at, at Marietta. Um, if you're pointing to one thing that, that change, uh, kind of started that whole story, to be honest. So, so one, one thing that we've kind of seen, and I'm curious for both of your takes on this, but you know, uh, one thing that we've seen kind of be a staple of max basketball for the last couple of years, uh, since, since, uh, coach Steinmetz took over, uh, friend of the pod, we love him. Um, so shouts to coach Elliot. Uh, one thing we've seen be a staple of the, of the program is the motion offense. Um, we've talked a lot about it. And one of the things that we've seen is that it's, it's, it's been great. It's led to some great, you know, results. Uh, but it kind of stagnated in our last game against Hopkins and obviously Illinois Wesleyan was able to shut it down. So if you're like a top program and you're looking at, and you're looking at uh, a system like Yeshiva's, is that something that you feel like those two teams were just well suited to stopping it? Or is it something that we should think about maybe mixing it up a little bit as we move forward as a program? I mean, you, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if Ryan, you want to start with that? I mean, without being a, you know, an X's and O's coach guy, it's right. Um, I, I know there are, there are some coaches that take the approach that they like a particular system and they're going to run a particular system, irregardless, regardless of, of what the personnel that they have available to them are. And there are other coaches who are, are a little bit more flexible with the schemes that they run based on the skills, uh, the skill strengths and the weaknesses of, of the personnel that they have. Um, and without knowing enough of, of, of what Coach Steinmetz has done in, in years past before this group, uh, I'm not really sure if I can say um, there, there's a right or wrong answer here. Um, I know that there are successful coaches that, that take both of those types of approaches and have been successful. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not the X's and O's guy either, but I think um, you know, most coaches will have a base offense or, or defense that they like to run. Um, and to some degree, you want to fit your players into the system, but you also want to be able to adapt the, the system and the sets that you might run uh, to the individuals you have on your team. Um, and the motion offense absolutely can win you the national championship. And I don't think that there's any reason why you need to not do that. I think plenty of teams run uh, similar base offenses. Um, and so I think, I think there's going to be some adaptability around that, but I think it's, if, if that's what, um, um, you know, coach Steinmetz likes to, to teach. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't run that as, as his base. I, I can just speak as a Max fan, not that I should have an opinion on this, but might as well throw it out. There. <laughs> None of us should. <laughs> I'm not an X's nose guy. I actually, I actually always say when people come, people come to me and talk about the games as if like, I actually know what's going on and I understand the motion <laughs> offense. And I always say, just cause I talk about it. I literally, I just make it up as I go along. Like the color guys, as you know what they're talking about, I have no clue what's going on on the court in terms of X's and O's and the back screens, but it really does sometimes bother me. Like, you know, at the end of games, like maybe just set like three different screens for Ryan and just like get him the ball and get him an open space. And it's almost like sometimes it's just frustrating. We just can't get him the ball and get him a good look. Um, but that's just me ranting. Maybe I'm just still a little sour from last week. Uh, but besides that, I think, uh, yeah, 
That's all I have to say on it. We get into this more when we get to the to the pod previews, but uh, one of the teams that stood out to me was Wabash and the system they run that really they have obviously an absolute superstar in Pat Davidson and the system that they run seems to just get him in great spots all the time. He's also like makes great shots, but uh, like he seems that he runs around screens, off ball movement. They spread the floor around him. He just like, they put him in great positions. And sometimes it felt like at least this season with Yeshiva and Ryan, it didn't have that same feel. It felt like, yeah, Ryan got his shots and had an awesome season. But a lot of times he had to make very good shots to score as opposed to him just constantly having wide open looks. And that can be that can be a double edged that can be a double edged sword a little bit too if you're running if you're running your offense um, you know one thousand percent through Ryan all the time and there's a night where he just can't get open or he's just off then you also have the opposite frustration of I wish we could run stuff for these other guys too um, and and Jack Davidson's great he makes all the shots um, it also helps when you can have seven feet of space between your three point line and where you want to shoot it and and still make those um, but there I think there's 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 positives and negatives to both both approaches so if we're if we're looking no, ahead oh sorry, sorry go I, was, I wasn't saying we should have had ryan take every shot like uh <laughs> like the Aston francis type system i was more saying that the system should have been designed to either get him in good spots but if they're really taking him away then have that have other players in great spots for easy passes if teams are taking it away that but but yeah i, I get your point that if you try to force offense through one guy every time it will with Aston Francis. It worked very well against Marietta in that in that tournament, but a lot of times it could it could uh could end poorly. So as, as we're looking ahead now to this uh, to this Sweet Sixteen round, so what are what are some and 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 you know Matt, let's start with you. What's like other than than you know your own home team? What's the most interesting matchup that you're like? I can't wait to watch this game. Mine's going to be Wabash and uh, Williams, just because of the. Um, the regionality difference, uh, you kind of have a, a traditional Great Lakes team with the traditional Northeast team. And you don't get to see that um, too often in, in this kind of a round in the Sweet 16. So I just really want to see um, see that matchup. And Ryan, what about you? What's what's the one that you're like, I'm tuning into this? Uh, for me, it's, it's RPI and WPI. Uh, I'm a huge... The battle huge, of the polytechnics. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm a big defense guy. I think these are two of the best defenses. Um in in the tournament and, and in the country along with with randolph macon which uh, you add them in there and this is a pod if, if you if you like defense i think both teams struggle a little bit um offensively so i'm expecting a game here in the 60s maybe maybe even in the 50s um if you're looking for a real tough defensive grind um where, where every possession matters i think that rpi wpi game is is for you yeah. how about uh, how about speaking to our um you know, our fan base is we don't necessarily want to watch defense and we just want to watch offense. <laughs> Where are we looking? Marietta Pioneers are probably the best offense uh, running right now. Well, yeah. Wabash is really good too. So yeah, I, I think maybe Marietta and Wabash might be the two best offenses left. Um, RMC. RMC is right up there with both of them. They're good too, yeah. Yep. That's so RMC is amazing at defense and offense. Yeah. So I, I also, you know, as we're, we're throwing some, we're throwing some red meat to our fan base here and I'm talking the max fans as well as our, uh, our sister fan base in, uh, in Bloomington, right. That's where Illinois Wesleyan is, uh, our, our, uh, our adopted, 
uh, rivals slash uh, sister fans, and also because we have the chief rabbi in the chat. How are we feeling about this Illinois Wesleyan team? I feel like you know we Max fans, we just saw an excellent, excellent team come to the come to the MSAC when they played us. Uh, how good is this team for real? I think Illinois Wesleyan is is maybe my favorite to get to the national championship game on on the left side of the bracket. Um, they're they're so well balanced. Um, they're really tough defensively. I think they're a top 10 defensive team, but they also can score. Um, they're deep. Um, you know, you've got, uh, they're about, just about plus five rebounding. They don't turn the ball over a lot. I, I think you just have to play such a perfect game, um, to be able to beat Illinois Wesleyan. And the fact that they're on their home floor this weekend, um, they're, they're really in a good spot, I think, to, to make a national championship run this year. Okay, so let's let's actually uh, let's let's actually use that as a jumping off point because I, I I think that's exactly what we're looking for. Let's let's jump now, kind of pod to pod. So IWU, uh, that's the pod with uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one with with Wabash and Williams and who's the other one in that pod? Wheaton. Wheaton, Wheaton is the other one in that pod. Um, so I mean, shoot, I don't know if you have uh, I don't know if you have any uh, other thoughts on that pod or questions on that pod that we want to get out. But I think we should go pod by pod. We got uh, we got uh, four queued up. So the I think the only school in that pod that we haven't talked about yet is Wheaton. So Matt, what do what do uh, what do fans uh, who might not know the the D three landscape that well? What should we know about Wheaton and what should we be looking for uh, in that team? Uh, I mean, Wheaton's gonna have a solid team. They're um... Mike shower coach team there. I think, I think there was a, a tweet. I don't know if it was Bob or, or, or someone uh, who said, what kind of team does Wheaton have the same team they've had for the last 20 years. Uh, that <laughs> that kind of, kind of seems always the same. They're going to have a guy who can shoot threes um, probably two or three of those guys. Um, and, and the interesting matchup there with Illinois Wesleyan, obviously being a conference matchup, those teams know each other so well. Uh, those teams have battled this year. This will be their third time last year. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, well, weird COVID year, but you know, most years they play two or three times. And so they know each other. Those coaches know each other. Um, and so the, these are interesting tournament matchups in that it's um, so often the interesting matchups are teams that haven't played each other, but these teams know each other so well uh, that almost anything can happen because of that. And I, and I think if, if I'm correct, I believe Wheaton and Illinois Wesleyan split the season series. Um, and these two so. teams seem to have a knack to have some very dramatic games with some close yeah. finishes. Um, so, so we could be in for another fun one in Bloomington this weekend. Yeah. And by the way, before we, uh, before we move on shouts to, uh, shouts to, uh, Avi Dubin home in the chat, Avi Dubin homes in the chat with a sentiment that I've, uh, I've encountered a lot, uh, in max nation. He said, Illinois Wesleyan came in and beat us and acted like menches, definitely rooting for them. Very impressive. <laughs> I've heard that sentiment a lot and I feel it myself. So shouts, uh, IWU. Um, anyway. Okay. So, uh, uh, and by the way, uh, uh, agreement in the chat as well. It's good to see. Um, so moving on, uh, which pod should we hit next? Sure. Which pod are we hitting next? Well, let, well let's just stick here. Let's stick here. I know we touched on this game, but, but okay. why Williams? What are, what are some of the things that stick out Ryan in, in that matchup for you? What are you looking for? You know, I, I haven't gotten a, a chance. I've seen Williams a couple of times this year, but I've obviously seen a lot of Wabash. And, and Wabash, I think, like Marietta, is, is playing their best basketball right now. Um, Jack Davidson 
you, you could argue is, is maybe the hottest player in the country right now, 26 points per game. Um, and he's got some guys around him that can, can, that can really play as well. Tyler Watson uh, is in that team. Kellen Schreiber uh, has had a fantastic year. Amani Jones, um, they might, along with Marietta, be the best offense uh, left in this tournament. This will be a really interesting matchup with Williams because Williams is really great on defense. Um, so you got strength on strength here. Um, I don't know if we're making picks at this point, but but I, I I am leaning a certain way though here. Let's let's do it. Who are we let's picking? Do it. <laughs> I mean, for for, for in the in, in the Illinois Wesleyan bracket, I, I think it's the home Titans get get past Wheaton in that third game, uh, and then I'll take Wabash over Williams uh, to set up a really interesting um, sectional final Saturday night. Listen, you heard it here, folks. Ryan Whitnable, IW cannot lose. There's a 100% chance of them coming out of this. I'm sorry, Bob. The only, the only, <laughs> jinxing them as hard as the YU Max have been jinxed this year. Anyway, fine. So uh, we, <laughs> we've got to do that pod. Where are we, head, where are we heading next? Sure, where are we headed next? We, had, we hit IW. Let's, uh, let's go to Matt. Let's go to Matt's pod. So let's start with Calvin Elmers. Matt. Um, yeah, a, a rematch from December. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this game evolves. Um, Elmhurst, um, really good guard, Jake Rohde. He's uh, probably going to hit a buzzer beater in the first half or the second half. He hit so many buzzer beaters. Um, it seems like all the time he's got the ball in his hands to make a shot. Um, got a, a, a nice big inside, uh, Levon Thomas, I believe is his name. Um, and he was, he was a lot for Calvin to handle last time he was, uh, Calvin did a pretty good job on roadie, um, but not as good of a job inside. Um, I think that's going to be a really good matchup, a uh, really close game. Um, and the other, um, game in that pod case, Western reserve versus Mary Harden Baylor is one that I don't know too much about. I haven't seen Mary Harden Baylor a whole lot this year. Uh, I went to go try to watch some of their games, um, today or yesterday, and they're all, there's no links, um, on their site. So I couldn't watch any of their games, uh, which I never like. So I don't, I don't know too much about them besides they have, um, Josiah Johnson, um, who is a good player. So, um, I'm a little bit blind on that one, but I'll be interested to see it. Matt, just, just so specifically in that game, you talk a lot about tempo, and that's an important stat for you. Um, there's a pretty big discrepancy there uh, in that matchup. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, to be honest, I haven't dived in um, too much. Uh, you're talking about Case and Mary Harden-Baylor? Yeah. Um, they're both uh, pretty fast. I was, I, was talking, no, I was talking about Calvin. I was talking about Calvin. About Calvin oh, um, so Calvin tends to play uh, fairly slow, fairly deliberate. They will try to get out in transition um, if they get if they get a steal. Uh, otherwise, they slow it down um, um, pretty good. And uh, Elmhurst is is more medium paced. Um, when I when I watched that game uh, here in Grand Rapids in December, uh, I didn't really notice too much of a tempo disparity between the two teams. Um, it's been been a couple months, so I'd have to think back on that. But to, in my mind. I don't remember Elmhurst um, really trying to push it too, too much, um, but maybe, maybe they will try to get more shots in transition than Calvin will. So now as we, the other matchup in that pod is, sorry, shoot, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, so the, the case Western Marion Baylor, I'm going to make a call. That's going to end in the nineties for both of them. Are they both, they're both a little bit on the faster end, aren't they? They're both fast. They both top offenses against pretty, not like in the 150s for adjusted defense on Matt's rankings. They're both very up-tempo. It should be yeah. a fun game. 
I've got I've got both of those as top 15 offenses. Uh, I think Case is around 85 points a game, and and Mary Harden Baylor I think is around 88 points a game. Um, both are down in the about 200s in defense. So yeah, you're going to yeah. see a lot of of running. You're going to see a lot of points in that one. By the way, uh, speaking just because uh, shouts the shouts the ball about him uh, regular, not the cone in the chat. Um, one of the key players uh, on uh, Mayor Harden Baylor is Josiah Johnson. Uh, can you guys talk a little bit about uh, him as a player? I, I think last time, uh, oh, and Nathan uh, made this point in the chat. Last episode, the panel agreed that if Josiah Johnson was not injured, he'd have averaged more points than Ryan Terrell even this year. Um, which I don't know if I'm emotionally ready for that yet, but, uh, can you guys talk about Josiah Johnson as a player? It seems like a really special guy. I think one of the other guys in D3 who gets NBA scouts at his games, I uh, talk a little bit about Josiah Johnson. Yeah. I mean, he, he started to get some re- name recognition here. I think Bob may have been one of the first ones to bring him up after going in and seeing Mary Harden Baylor, uh, down in Texas, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think he's averaging 25 a game and, and reportedly he's been playing injured most of the year. Um, you, you could easily make a case for, for him to be, you know, obviously first team All-American, but in that conversation of five or 10 players of, of national player of the year as well, um, he'll be a big, he'll be a big piece of this, this tournament run. Um, they've got a couple of other guys that, that, that play in, in that double digit area. I know Ty Prince, uh, Luke Feely also averaged double digits. Um, but I don't think they get out of the sweet 16, to be honest. Wow. Done. That's it. Zero chance. Stick it on the bulletin board, baby. You heard it here <laughs> on the ball about them. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're all about the bulletin board material. So that's, so that, uh, that takes care of the uh, case Western pod. Uh, let's hop next to, uh, let's hop next to the Randolph Macon pod. Uh, a team that we wish we'd been able to face both uh, uh, both back before COVID and now. Uh, but talk a little bit, uh, Matt, about Randolph-Macon as a squad and that matchup coming up. Yeah, Randolph-Macon's really good. Um, I, I, I mentioned before kind of the upper left quadrant being either Oshkosh or not Oshkosh. This is a, a similar a quadrant for me. You know, Randolph-Macon is, was odds on favorites to get through. Um, every time I said this before, every time I watch them, they just look to me like the most complete team in division three, um, both ends of the, uh, of the ball, both sides of the court, um, their players, um, they, they're, they're fast They're I, I don't know that they're overly big, but they, they, they play a little bit, they play bigger, they play tough, they play uh, physical when needed. Um, and, uh, they, they just, they just look like the real deal. And it's a, and it's a cool matchup because it's right. This, this is Matt Randolph making UMass Dartmouth, right? So yeah. this is a, this is a great defense versus a very good offense. Uh, so how do we, <laughs> how do we see this? Shake Love Anthony on Marcus Cesar, which is a pretty cool matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two, you know, all American type players right there uh, in this game. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a terrific matchup. Definitely um, must watch game. Um, and, and for these two teams, especially for Randolph Macon, it's, it's, it's hard even to say that the, the great offense, great defense, because they're, I think they're kind of top 10 ish in, in both, both categories. Uh, and, and UMass Dartmouth maybe is not quite there, but they're probably top 20 ish, maybe in both categories for me on the efficiency rating side of things. So um, it's going to be a really good game. And in, in your official rankings, they're 11th on defense and second on offense making. 
Yeah, Megan, um, yeah. UMass Dartmouth is a little, is like 20th and 150th, something like that. Um, I actually, in that this matchup, going out on a limb, I don't, I don't think it will be particularly close. And the reason I don't is because Megan plays the slowest tempo, basically, in college, in D3 basketball. I think they'll impose that style on UMass Dartmouth. And the other big, big thing is Macon is one of the best offensive rebounding teams. They don't have a lot of possessions, so they don't have a lot of offensive rebounds as a counting stat, but they get a lot of their misses. They get like yeah. 35 to 40%. Um, and UMass Dartmouth is actually a pretty average to below average defensive rebounding team. And I really think that discrepancy will really, will really make the game not very close in the end. So that that brings us to the the other matchup, which we talked about uh, uh, talked about briefly earlier. But uh, I don't know what the stakes are for the uh, WPI and RPI. Like one of them has to like become like uh, an organization instead of an institute after the game. Like I don't know what the stakes are. We should make it something good. But like uh, Ryan, we heard from you about WPI versus RPI before. Matt, how are you looking at that? Uh, how are you looking at that matchup? Yeah, interesting WPI for me uh, on my computer rankings has been one of the top kind of five teams in, in, the, in the top five for most of the year, um, which is higher than they've been in the D3hoops.com poll and probably a lot higher than they've been in the Massey ratings too. So I've been really high on WPI and that's um, largely been on their uh, strength of their defense, although their offense is quite good as well. Um, so I see them as a really strong team, kind of a dark horse um, Final Four candidate, um, or maybe they would have been if they weren't in Randolph Macon's uh, quadrant of the bracket. Uh, but WPI is a really strong team. So for I want to we we definitely want to get to uh, we definitely want to get to predictions after this, but I think we have one last bracket, and to start us off on that last bracket, uh, someone who has no affection or feelings whatsoever. For the host of that bracket, uh, Ryan the Bull Whitnabel, what do we got from Marietta? <laughs> Just talking about this bracket in, in, in this pod in general, you know, this is a group of four teams that between them have 10 losses. I think Marietta has two losses. Oswego has two losses. I think Christopher Newport has lost twice. And Stockton has four losses. So, this is a group of four teams that are not used to losing this year. So this should be interesting either way. Um, you look at the Marietta Oswego. Uh, Oswego, interestingly, was, was the, the team the last time uh, Marietta got to the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago at uh, Augustana before the Aston Francis debacle. Uh, Marietta took out Oswego State um, in that Sweet 16. So this is a rematch. I really like Oswego. I got a chance to watch them a couple of times this week. Um, They've got some great guard play. They're pretty good on offense, but defense is, is kind of their bread and butter. I think they've held teams to just 60 points a game this year. They don't, they don't turn the ball over. I think the one question, though, that I have about Oswego is I think the Suniac was a little bit down this year as a conference, um, and they haven't played um, maybe a team the caliber of Marietta yet to this point. They have some good wins. Uh, I think they have a loss to Nazareth. Um, but I do think that this this Marietta team will probably be the toughest team that, that Oswego has seen so far to this point. And how about uh, Matt? Maybe take the other matchup with uh, Chris Newport and Stockton. What can we see there? Yeah, um, you know, everyone's really good at this at this 
point in the tournament. Um, to me, uh, Christopher Newport is kind of one of those fringe top 10 type teams. Uh, and Stockton wasn't quite there, maybe more like fringe top 25. Uh, so it was a little bit surpri surprising to me um, that that Stockton got through that first um, first weekend, even though they were the host. I was kind of uh, thinking that the uh, YU Hopkins winner was, was more likely to win that um, pod. Uh, but obviously that was kind of just an evenly matched pot overall. All three of those teams were, were, were quite strong. Uh, I do like Christopher Newport a little bit in this, um, in this pod, but we saw how Stockton played against Hopkins and that showed that they can play uh, up there, right, right with anyone in the country. So let's, let's move now to some predictions uh, for each pod. Who's coming out of uh, who's coming out of each one of the pods. What are we going to see? Uh, who are you going to see when all of this is uh, when all this is said and done in the final four? Uh, Ryan, why, why don't you start us off? Uh, I would start the top left hand, uh, part of the bracket, uh, the, the Case Western bracket. Um, as I said, Calvin, I, next. Right. <laughs> I, I'm going in a different direction. Um, I think Case Western does get the job done at home um, over Mary Harden and Baylor. And I think Elmhurst gets their revenge in the Sweet 16 and does get by um calvin i think elmhurst is playing incredible basketball right now they're on the backs of, of winning the cciw conference tournament uh and i just have a feeling that that they're they're going to make a run to the final four and i see them getting past case western as well in the elite eight okay so elmhurst to come out of that one that's a good that's a good pick i like it we're starting already yeah do, do you want me to keep going well, keep keep going you're dead to matt anyway so keep going <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, bottom left hand, uh, this is the uh, Illinois Wesleyan bracket. Uh, as I said, I think Illinois Wesleyan at home, I think they win a tough matchup in that Sweet 16 game with Wheaton. Uh, and I, I think I like Wabash in that Sweet 16 game as well um, to get past Williams and that, that contrasting styles there. Uh, I think we've got a, a fantastic, if you want to talk about great, great matchups, the defense of Illinois Wesleyan against possibly the offensive you know, player of the year and, and, and Davidson, that should be an interesting Saturday night matchup. But I think Illinois Wesleyan is too tough at home. And I think they make a, a second CCIW team uh, into the final four. Going to CCIW. the bottom, going to the bottom right. Where Bob uh, is really looking. Shouts to CCIW. <laughs> Bob is popping champagne at this point. Oh God, it's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> uh, bottom right-hand corner. Hey, we love Bob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Randolph making at home. I think they're, they're just too much. Um, uh, you know, UMass Dartmouth had a fantastic year, obviously to get to this point, but, but making in that defense is going to be really tough, especially at home. And then I like WPI um in that second matchup and i'm I, I think this is where we get the upset i think wpi gets past randolph macon uh and gets to this you know we we need a surprise team and i think wpi this year is is that team unbelievable wow it's pretty big it's pretty big those are some good those are some good calls these are these are gonna this is gonna be some fun rush some fun watching for ryan uh all right listen uh matt you gotta top that all right well um Three out of my four final four picks are still alive. So that'll be a little preview. I'll start bottom right. Uh, I'll kind of go opposite of, of Ryan here. Love it. Um, I see what you did there. <laughs> Randolph Macon is, um, is great. Um, I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick them to beat um, WPI and, and Randolph Macon's going to head to the final four. Uh, top right. Um, I think Marietta advances to play Christopher Newport. 
And I still like the pioneers at home uh, in that matchup. Um, bottom left, I'm going to deviate from uh, Ryan a bit. I'm going to say that Williams beats the Titans uh, and that Williams advances to the final four. Uh, so I have them over Shots Wabash and then fired. over Illinois. Yes. Um, and then in the top left, um, I think the statistical case is that uh, Elmhurst might actually be the favorite here. Um, but everyone knows me, how I hate statistics. So we're going to throw them out the window. And uh, <laughs> we're going to go Calvin Knight's advance out of the top left, maintaining my final four pick from, from last week's show. And there, there we have it. Calvin over Mary Harden Baylor to go oh, to the final four. I want to be on record. We never got to the top right-hand bracket for me. Oh, uh, oh yes, let's do it. I mean, let's we can it. avoid that. I, I, you know, I don't like picking games oh, involving my team. But Oh, no, uh, I'm just bad at math. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Marietta uh, over Oswego State. I think – Oh, do you? As I said, I think all four of these teams are fantastic. None of them would surprise me to get out of this weekend. But, um, you know, the way things have gone for Marietta in the past – several years chips haven't fallen right and i think that this is the year where the chips fall the right way i think at home at van johnson i think there's a great rematch marietta and christopher newport have already played this year on a neutral court it was the very first game of the year for both teams uh and i think marietta gets him a second time and, and finally takes that next step uh and gets to fort wayne um fingers oh crossed. baby oh baby <laughs> uh, so do, we have, uh, do we have any travel plans for the weekend anyone heading anywhere so actually, if, if you were to see just behind screen here, I'm packing at the moment. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I will be packing the car up tonight and, and heading to Marietta tomorrow. I'm in my wife's closet, so I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's that time, gentlemen. It's time for uh, some predictions. Who's, uh, who's taking this home? Who's taking this whole thing home? I, I, by the way, first of all, you are both welcome to say Calvin and Marietta, make your case. We'll let you, uh, we'll let you do it. Uh, but if you're going to go with Calvin and Mary, if you're going to go with Calvin and Marietta respectively, and you are willing to take that unconscionable jinxing risk, uh, or, or if you, if you'd rather opt out of that unconscionable jinxing risk, uh, we can hear your backup pick also. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take this one first. I'm going to go straight up a little bit um, on this one. And um, Randolph Macon to me is, um, is, is still, still the favorite. Um, I like them to, to continue to advance. And for me, they're the national champion. Randolph Macon. It's going to at the risk of, of blowing this up. Yes! <laughs> no. I love it. Oh my God. I'm so no, no, happy. No, 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 no. I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to take Illinois Wesleyan. Oh, okay. I think, oh, I, I think oh, good picks. Wesleyan, oh, good pick. you just saved Marietta's season. <laughs> the reverse jinx. Uh, exactly. No, I, I think Illinois Wesleyan. Last does Bob have over you? <laughs> and by the way, shout, shouts to Bob. I'm Bloomington bound. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, Illinois Wesleyan, make the case. What do we got? I think Illinois Wesleyan has been the most complete team that I've seen this year. If, if, if Oshkosh would have gotten through that bracket this 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 past weekend, I probably would be sitting here saying Oshkosh is, is probably the team I would have picked. Um, but of the teams left, I think Illinois Wesleyan has been consistent all year. I like their defense. Um, I think they're going to be a really – somebody's going to have to play a really tough game to knock them out of this tournament. 
shouts to Bob in the chat. Jedi mind tricks from Ryan. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and, sh- and shouts to Simi Cohn. That ain't no closet. Bougie. Fair enough. So, um, so guys, looking back, I mean, I know for, for Max fans, um, and I, I, not that I can speak for Max fans, but at least for this, Max, Yoshua can speak for Max fans, but for this Max fan, um, this has just been a, an, an extraordinary season. Um, it was kind of the, it kind of felt like the, the emergence of the Max as a program, not just as a, as a team, meaning the fan base was awesome. Uh, and shows like this became like people tuned into this, like, you know, a couple of years ago, this just would have been us talking to ourselves. We wouldn't even, we'd just be on zoom. Um, but it was, it was a real thing. And obviously we didn't get the results that we wanted. We talked a little bit earlier about what it takes, what it'll take to move forward. Uh, but you know, since we are inveterate homers on here and proud of it, I'm, I'm curious as a, you know, as a team that kind of just got a lot of attention, people, you know, the fans were pretty vocal, uh, I'm curious, both both Matt and Ryan, we'll start with Matt. You know, what was it like kind of seeing the emergence of 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 Yeshiva this year, even if it, you know, even if it uh, the the good, bad and the ugly, even if it didn't end the way we wanted it to? I, I thought it was great being able to interact with you guys. Uh, Correct answer. Um, <laughs> and and getting to know um, getting to know you all and the, and the passion you showed for um um, this, the school, the team, and, and then also getting to know, like a lot of these questions you're asking tonight are getting to know the landscape of the broader division three. Now that you're not, you know, just focused on the skyline you're as a program, we're, we're emerging, we're into the tournament now, multiple years in a row. Um, and, and this is where we want to be. Right. So I think it's been fun to, um, to, to interact with you as we talk about things like pool C chances and, and whatnot. And, and that's been, been, been really cool. Um, and, and I think the thing I've appreciated the most um, is that most of the Yeshiva fans I've interacted with online have asked questions to learn, not to argue. Um, some fans will, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put out a ranking of pool, pool C order and I'll get a little bit like, why wouldn't you consider this team? They're, um, you know, 18 and two. And well, you didn't play anyone. Your SOS was bad, but then they would just argue back. And a lot of the Yeshiva fans would take that information and, um, and, and understand it. And then I'd see interactions between other Yeshiva fans it's about like, Hey, we don't have a pool. She see shot. We got to win the skyline. And, and that kind of stuff has been fun too. It was, um, uh, it was that positive engagement, learning the landscape and not just arguing for the sake of arguing on, on, on Twitter. Cause that's always positive. Cause that's always so we, fun. Right? We just do that ever. We just do that everywhere else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ryan, I'm curious, like what, uh, again, Marietta fan, like what, what did Yeshiva have to do with anything in D3 basketball, right? Like, what was it like seeing Yeshiva kind of come up uh, as a fan base, as a team? Had probably the benefit of not being a top 25 voter uh, who had to share his ballot every week uh, in terms of interactions with Yeshiva. But in all seriousness, no. Um <laughs> I, I think the, uh, the not just that was, this where, year, that was where it all that was where it all started that number one ranking. <laughs> Never forgive you guys. <laughs> although you did, although you no. did the right thing, probably. <laughs> I yeah, I, I don't think I ever went that direction. I heard about it quite a bit. There we go. <laughs> um, but I, I made a comment before the brackets came out on Selection Monday that that I think this this season has been uh, the best in terms of interaction between. Uh, 
Division three fans as a whole uh, on social media with the advent of, of podcasts like these. And I think at the heart of, of that feeling that I've had this year is, is Yeshiva and, and the Yeshiva community uh, and the things that, that you guys have, have added to the conversation. Um, and I, I think I have a special place in my heart for you guys and the fact that I've, I've been there and I, I know, you know, kind of what it, is to sit and, and kind of look at the broader D3 world and not understand it and to ask those questions. And, and now sitting here years later um, to see other programs having those same types of journeys um, is great to see. And, and I hope that that's a conversation that continues. And I, I hope Yeshiva continues to be successful because I think it's, it's better. I think division three basketball is better um, when Yeshiva is, is playing great basketball. Or even if we're just chirping online, I mean, I, I think we're ready. I think even, I think even today, Zach Terrell's putting out, you know, starting lineups for next year. Is this guy coming? Is that guy coming? A lot of, a lot of chirping already going on. Like I, I think we've proven we're, we're not going away too quickly, which I guess is, I mean, you say it's good, but we'll see, you know, we'll see how much more you could possibly take from us. <laughs> we, <laughs> no, I, I welcome it. <laughs> and it's by and, and Ryan, it really is so good to hear that just from a, again, from a, a team that's been through it. I know a lot of the fans and I know Shua and Yoshua, I'm sure you guys hear this all the time. Yoshua, probably more than most of us, you know, there's all so much fretting about, Oh, is this the, is the best team we'll ever have? And I listen, I'm going to put it out there. And I don't think this is jinxing. I think our best days as a program are, are way out of us. Uh, and so we're, we're pretty excited. And again, I, I know we say it every time we have you guys on, uh, and Ryan, this is your first time, but hopefully it won't be the last. Uh, we're just, we're so incredibly grateful to you guys for making this world accessible to us, for answering our questions, for putting up with our nonsense, and for, for really welcoming us into the D3 Hoops fraternity. It's just been such a pleasure to have you guys. Do likewise. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's been so great. I love it. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for uh, coming on the ball button. This has been an unbelievable pleasure. Please give uh, Matt and Ryan a follow. Matt is at FF. Give us, give us your handle. FFTMAG. Forever FF faithful to maroon and gold. Nice. At FFTMAG. Uh, and Ryan, you are at OACB ball show on Twitter. Great. Ah, we're talking. Nailed it. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, this has been an awesome, awesome pleasure. I'm so glad you guys made it. <laughs> Unbelievable, you guys. Another one of the books. Roll, Max, roll. We got an awesome season coming up of the Ball of Bottom, an awesome season coming up of the Max. We have so much more content rolling at you. Uh, we'll be at you soon. Thanks, Shua. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Yoshua. Guys, we out. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Oh. <laughs> uh...